Second Chronicles chapter 19. Before you stand, before you stand, I wanted to just uh, take a minute to to give you the the uh, background on this passage. I've got to set this up for you, just in case there's some folks in here tonight that aren't uh, familiar with what's going on in this passage. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 18. Don't have time to read it all, but I want to just uh, highlight this. We've got four characters, four main characters in this passage. We've got Ahab. He's the evil, wicked king of, of Israel. He's the, the, the worst king that Israel ever knew, uh, seventh king of Israel. Around 200 or so years into the, into the nation of Israel, Ahab was the king, and the country went down, down, down. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Our country's a little over 200 years old, and our country's been going down, down, and down. And then we've got another man, the man named Jehoshaphat. He's the king of Judah. I don't know why every time I hear that name, I think of all you can eat. I don't know Jehoshaphat, but uh, <laughs> think of that. But uh, Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. And now he is, uh, he's a good king. The Bible says that, that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, but he had a few little issues. And we'll talk about that tonight when we look at uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 19. And then also we've got uh, Zedekiah. He's the, he's the false prophet. Zedekiah is the false prophet. There's 400 false prophets also in this passage. Zedekiah is the leader of the false prophets. He's the neo-evangelical liberal <laughs> preacher. And then we've got Micaiah. He's the man of God. He's the, God. he's the man that's not afraid to preach the word of God. And then we also in chapter 19 tonight we'll see Jehu. And I heard he had a problem with his driving. But, it, you know, the man of God's not always absolutely 100% perfect. If he was, his name wouldn't be what his name is. His name would be Jesus Christ. Um, but we need to preach the word. Jehu uh, gave the word of God. Micaiah gave the word of God. And tonight we're going to look at God's word. Would you stand with me? Chapter 19, 2 Chronicles. Chapter 19 of 2 Chronicles. I'm going to read the whole thing. Just, read, just, just go along with me. Don't read with me, but just follow along with me real quick like, and we'll get through this tonight. I want a few things to show you a few things out of this passage tonight about what the truth produces, about what the truth produces. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 19, beginning with verse 1, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hananiah, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, and that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land, and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. And Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again through the people from Beersheba to Mount Ephraim, and brought them back unto the Lord God of their fathers. And he set judges in the land throughout all the fenced cities of Judah, city by city, and said to the judges, Take heed what ye do. For ye judge not for man, but for the Lord who is with you in the judgment. Wherefore, now let the fear of the Lord be upon you, and take heed and do it. For there is no iniquity with the, with the Lord our God, nor respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. Moreover, in Jerusalem did Jehoshaphat set the Levites, and of the priests, and of the chief of the fathers of Israel, for the judgment of the Lord, and for, the, for controversies, when they returned to Jerusalem. And he charged them, saying, Thus shall ye do in the fear of the Lord, faithfully and with a perfect heart. And what cause soever shall come to you of your brethren that dwell in their cities, between blood and blood, between law and commandments, statutes and judgments, ye shall even warn them, and they, that they trespass not, Against the Lord, and so wrath come upon you, upon your brethren this do, and ye shall not trespass. And behold, Amariah the chief priest is over you in all matters of the Lord, and Zedekiah, um, Zedadiah, I'm sorry, you can't mix him up with Zedekiah, and the son of Ishmael, and the ruler of the house of Judah, for all the king's matters also the Levites shall be officers before you. Deal courageously, and the Lord shall be with the good. All right, let's pray. Now, Father, we thank you for this time tonight. Dear God, we, we need your help tonight. Oh, God, I thank you for this group of people tonight. They're smiling. Lord, they're, they're, they're excited about your word tonight. They're hungry. I can sense it tonight. Lord God, I pray that they would not be disappointed tonight. Lord, not disappointed in me, not disappointed in you. Father, but that you just feed them. Lord, that you'd excite them. Get them excited about your word tonight. Oh, God, I pray that you just help me to overcome the fatigue that I have in my, my mind right now. Dear God, help me to be able to preach your word and give them what they need tonight. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You may be seated. All right. Well, we've got uh, some things here. If we look at this passage, now I want you to know what the truth is. We know what the truth is. We've got the truth in our, in our hands. We've got the, the Bible, the King James uh, Version of the Bible. The King James Bible is the truth of the Word of God. Thy Word is truth. And so we know what it is. I want you to realize tonight that this passage talks about what uh, is produced when we receive the truth, what we can have when we receive the truth. The first point I want to make tonight is that we can have peace. When we receive the truth, we can have peace. That's the first product of the truth. In 1984, when I was saved, when I received Jesus Christ as my Savior, I had peace come over me. Peace that passeth understanding. I hope you can say that tonight. If you can't say that tonight, then I'd wonder if you got saved. If you don't have the peace. Now there's another thing though for Christians. There's a lot of Christians walking through this world. Going through this world. Even in churches all over the country. And I believe that many are born again, but they don't have the peace of God. Why don't they have the peace of God? God wants us to have peace. It's God's will that we have peace. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. The devil's the author of confusion. God does not want us to be in confusion. Why are we so confused? I'll tell you why we're confused, because we won't obey the Word of God. We won't receive the Word of God. There's no other reason for it. We're not following the truth. We're not willing to receive the truth. We don't want the truth. That's what's wrong with our country tonight. That's why the churches like ours are struggling because when a guy gets up and preaches the truth, people don't want to hear it. They don't like it. We hear in this story here back in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 18. Remember Ahab said uh, when uh, uh, Jehoshaphat, Ahab got Jehoshaphat all riled up to go with him to uh, fight Ramoth Gilead. And He said he called on 400 prophets. He wanted to check out to see if if it was going to be a good thing, if they were going to win. Should we go up? And uh, Joseph had enough brains. He said, you know, I don't don't know about these 400 prophets that you've got here, my friend, but I I think we ought to find and see if there might be another prophet that might give us the real truth of the Word of God. And so uh, they found one. His name is Micaiah. And Ahab said, I don't like Micaiah. I'm paraphrasing to for time's sake. I don't like Micaiah. Why? Because he always prophesies negative. Everything he says is negative. All the things that he tries to tell me, I don't like it. And I hate him. The thing is, Ahab didn't have any peace in his heart, did he? Why? Because he hated the word of God. It's not the, it's not the man of God that people hate. It's the word of God. And actually, they hate God. They don't want to hear what God says from His Word. They don't want to receive the truth of God's Word. And that's why there's no peace in our hearts when we won't receive God's Word. How you doing, brother? Didn't recognize you. (laughs) Amen. Hey. So, you know the world says that uh, this is the world's way of of bringing peace. Right? We've got uh, got Palestinians. We've got Israelis over in two different parts of the world, right? In, in, in over the Middle East, two different philosophies, two different ways of looking at things. And so how are you going to bring the two together? Well, here's what you do. This is the world's way. You, uh, this group over here, they've got to drop some of the things that they believe in. They've got to be willing to compromise what they believe in, some of the issues that they are fighting for. And, and then you've got this group over here, and they've got to compromise some of the things that they believe in and, and drop some of the things that, that they're willing to fight for. Well, that might work with, in, with countries, but that does not work with Christians, my friend. Because we have the perfect, absolute perfect Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration. It's proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction in righteousness. <laughs> that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good, unto all good works. We've got the perfect, absolute perfect Word. There's no compromising this Word if you're going to have peace. You cannot compromise the Word of God. Compromise is a dirty word for us. We don't like compromise. We won't compromise. We're going to keep preaching the word, keep preaching the truth. Whether people like it or not, they might hate us for it. I got a guy that, not in our church, but, but I've been, uh, uh, we've been teaching uh, his granddaughters for the past three years. He hates me. He told his granddaughters, he said, I hate him. And if I see him, I'm going to punch him out. <laughs> 
And my flesh said, yeah, okay, buddy, come on. <laughs> we'll see. But, my, but, but the Holy Spirit helps me to understand why he hates me. You know what he accuses me of? He accuses me of brainwashing his, his granddaughters. That's why he hates me. And you know what I say? I say, you are exactly right. I have brainwashed your granddaughters. <laughs> Not me, but the word of God, the blood of Jesus. I dipped them in the, we dipped them in the blood of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it washed their, their dirty, rotten, stinking brains. And now they got, they got saved, and now they're wanting to serve God. They're wanting to dress right. They're wanting to talk right. They're wanting to look right. And their, their grandpa doesn't understand that. Why don't they want to date? Why don't they want to act like the girls, the sleazy girls in the public schools? Why don't they want to go to public schools? Why don't they want to read those bad books? Why, why, they're so sheltered now. <laughs> because they have peace. They're doing what's right. You see what... You see, God has the peace. And as soon as we begin to, to move away from God, that's when the peace leaves. If you want to have peace, you better get close to God. Look what happened uh, with Jehoshaphat. It didn't happen overnight. Back to uh, chapter 18, verse 1. Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. And after certain years... After certain years, it didn't happen all at once. After certain years, he went down, 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 down. You see, a lot of times I think, well, we, we think that we can, we can go away from the, the place of God and we can begin to just, just uh, compromise and, and let a little bit of this in, let a little bit of, bit of that in, you know, in order to make peace with people. People come to the church all the time. They say, well, why can't, why can't we have this kind of music? You know, somebody will come up to me. I want to sing a song. I'll say, well, you know, I'm sorry. You got to tell them, I'm sorry. That's not appropriate for our church. It's a holy place. Or they want to do something else, or they want to bring in a, a new version, or, or do something, and you got to just tell them. You know, if you allow one little thing to, to creep in, if you change your standard on one little thing, one little thing, pretty soon, down, over a period of years, down, down, down. That's why Pastor Harvey feels so strongly about his Baptist churches, because the Independent Fundamental Baptist movement has gone down, 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 and down, along with all the other movements. That's happened over the past few years. So Jehoshaphat went down. And finally he, he got to a place, you know, and, and, and they had peace in the land until he got hooked up with Ahab. And then pretty soon the war, is gonna, there's going to be a war. There's, there's, there's war going on. There's no peace anymore. What's happening? Because he left the place of God and he started hanging around the wrong crowd. That's why. You young people, listen to me tonight. Don't leave the place of God. Listen to the preacher. Listen to people that are telling you the word of truth tonight. And let the, 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 the Bible produce that which it wants to produce in your hearts. And that is peace. Why don't you have peace? James 4.1 From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Truth produces peace. Let's go to the second point. We see here in uh, verse 2. The truth also produces, if, if God's word is working, God's word does not return void. So if God's word is working, it, sometimes it will produce personal rebuke. Personal rebuke. And we don't like that. Verse 2, and Jehu, he's the man of God here. He's the preacher the son of Hananiah, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. You know, sometimes it's so obvious. Why are people going through what they're going through? I'll tell you why. Because the wrath of God is upon their life. God is getting ready to spank some people. Why? Because they won't do what... He's asked them to do. You better listen to the preacher, the preaching of God's word. Because when God gets a hold of you, it's not going to be as nice as when Pastor Harvey gets a hold of some of us. You see? He chasteneth those whom he loveth. 
He chastened it. And it says he scourged it. That's a whip. <laughs> when you scourge, that hurts. But the truth will produce personal rebuke. Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. The love of, if, if, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Are you going to help the world? Are you helping the world? If you're helping the world, then God's word needs to rebuke you. God's word needs to rebuke me if I'm helping the world. How do you help the world? When you partake of the things of the world. When you leave the place of God and you go to the place as Jehoshaphat did with wicked Ahab. Helping the ungodly. Why are we helping the ungodly? Why are we helping Hollywood? When you go to, when you, when you go to the, the movies, you're paying for Hollywood. You're paying for trash. And you're supporting Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and all those other people. Ungodly people. Why are we helping those people? Listen, when you, when you go buy a pack of cigarettes, you're helping the ungodly people. People that don't care about your soul. Why do we do that? Personal rebuke. Quit helping them. Therefore is wrath upon thee. Therefore is wrath upon thee. Check out your life. Who, are you helping the ungodly? Therefore his wrath is upon thee. You know, when you miss church, you help the ungodly. <laughs> I know people have to miss sometimes for good reasons. You're not helping the pastor. You're not helping the church. Sometimes I know people come over right before you go to church. And that's a good excuse, isn't it? You say, well, I can't go to church tonight. I can't go to church this morning because I've got company and I don't want to be rude. You're helping the ungodly. They need, to get to, they need to go to church. And you need to show them what it's like, what, what, what a good Christian person is like. Show them. Say, I'm sorry, you can help yourself to the refrigerator, whatever you got, whatever I got's yours, but we're going to church. Our family's going to church. We love church. The third thing the truth produces, the third thing the truth produces is a prepared heart. We see in verse 3, Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, he rebukes him, yes. He tells him, why are you helping the ungodly? But then he comes, he comes along with some, some positive, right? Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. With all long-suffering, patience and doctrine. Man, I get pretty impatient sometimes <laughs> with people. You work with them, you work with them, and you work with them, and you give them this, and you give them that, and you're, you spend time on them, and then all of a sudden they just throw it all in your face. Don't they, brother? We need to have a, you know, we need to have a prepared heart. <clears throat> Nevertheless, there, there are good things found in thee, and that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. Some of you are unprepared tonight. Some of you came unprepared tonight. I'm not, don't raise your hands, but how many of you prayed tonight before you came to church? How many of you prayed this morning for the service tonight? How many of you prayed for the preacher? You didn't know I was going to be here. How many of you prayed for the preacher tonight? Some of you came, came tonight unprepared for the word of God. And that's why it's, it's rubbing you the wrong way tonight. You, didn't, you don't want to receive it because you're not prepared. You're not seeking after God. And God's word is going to give you the truth tonight. It'll produce that in you. It will make you want to seek it more and more and more and more. And read it more and more and more. <laughs> if your heart's prepared. You want to go to, you want to, go to uh, service. I know you've been having a lot of meetings. I've been listening to the tapes. I say, man, how do you have so many people come through? <laughs> you ought to say, man, how can we have so many few? How, how can we only have church on th three nights a week or three days a week? We should have it six days a week, seven days a week. Praise God. Prepare your heart. If you aren't getting anything out of this sermon tonight, it's not because I'm not prepared. 
I'm tired, but I'm not. Uh, it's not because I'm not prepared. It's because you're not prepared. You see? Some of you had to just drag your carcass here tonight. <laughs> I did. I drug my carcass here. I drug my carcass in there, and I drug my carcass down on my knees, and I drug my carcass to the Lord, to the place of prayer, so I could get with God and get the power of the Holy Spirit on me tonight. So I could preach His Word. I want to prepare my heart. It's not what I say that's important. It's what God says. And I want God to speak through me. Is he speaking, through, is he speaking to you? One guy said, I read, read recently, if you don't have a broken heart, you're not prepared. Whew. If you don't have a broken heart, you are not prepared. Because the, the pride will flare up. As soon as the pastor preaches on something you don't like, the pride is there to grab it and say, no, I don't want that. I don't like that. Well, you need to have a broken heart. And the only way to get a broken heart is to get down on your knees and on your face before God and ask God to break your heart and He'll break your heart. And then you'll have to pray another prayer and say, God, stop breaking my heart. I can't take anymore. <laughs> After you've wept for half an hour or so. Something else the truth produces. It produces people repenting. Notice with me in verse 4, And Josephat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again through the people from Beersheba to Mount Ephraim and brought them back unto the Lord God of their fathers. It produces people repenting. Because Jehoshaphat's heart was prepared, you know what he did? He, he didn't just receive it and hold it in. He took it to the people. You might say, well, it's just me. Well, it's only affecting me. So what if my heart's not prepared? So what if I miss church? Well, there's people that are watching you all around you. You got your grandkids, you got your kids, you got people all over the place. And you don't even realize that watching you little kids at school or wherever you go, they're watching you. And they should be watching you. Because we are to prove God to them. And that's in Romans 12 too. Check it out. The truth produces repentance, not only in our hearts, but in those around us if we're following the truth. It will produce repentance. It will produce repentance in your children. It will produce repentance in your grandchildren. Maybe the reason why some of the people in your family aren't getting saved is because you aren't repenting yourself of your sin. They're watching you. Every time the truth is presented, we have two choices. We can reject it or we can accept it. We can repent if there's something in your life where the truth gets in and find something in your life. Search me, O oh God. Search me. You know, when you get to the place as an, as an adult Christian, not a baby Christian, but as an adult Christian, you got to pray that prayer. Sometimes you don't know what's wrong with you. God will tell you. Preacher might tell you, but ask. No, I don't want to know. Because if I find out, then I have to repent. Right? Yeah, you better. Because if you don't repent, you're going to be like Ahab because the person that, that stiffens their neck up and says, I will not repent. That's destruction. You're asking for it. God might just move you right on out of the way. Another thing that truth produces is proper judgment. Verse 5 and 6. And he set judges in the land throughout all the fenced cities of Judah, city by city, and said, the judge, said to the judges, Take heed what you do, for ye judge not for man, but for the Lord who is with you in judgment. Wherefore, now let the fear of the Lord be upon you, and take heed and do it. And there is, For there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor respect of person or taking of gifts. Listen, it produces proper judgment. Take heed what you do. Ye judge not for man. We need to learn that. We are not judging for man. We are judging for God. Right? 
Judge righteous judgment. The advice that we give people, you better make sure when you give somebody advice that it is godly advice. I've had people, I've had people advise people in my church that they need to, or, or, or their family members, that they need to get divorced. You know, it's just, it's just not reconcilable. They just, you know, we don't see any other way. That's wicked. You should never give that advice. God hates divorce. Now, he loves, the, he loves the people, but he sure hates that action. He loves the sodomite, but he sure hates the sodomy. He hates it. It's an abomination to him. Let's go on. The next thing is a, a positive fear. A positive fear. We just talked about, just looked at it, verse 7. Wherefore, now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it. Let the fear of the Lord be upon you. I'm talking about a positive fear. You know why? Because there, there, there is a type of fear that is not a good type of fear. That's why the Bible says in, in some places it seems to contradict itself. It never contradicts itself. Whenever you've got something over here that says fear not, and whenever you have something over here that says fear, then you've got to zero in to see exactly what, that verse, what those passages are talking about. It narrows the focus. It doesn't contradict itself. And we have passages like Isaiah 41.10 that said, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. Seems, seems like uh, that, that goes against some other passages. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17, Philippians 2, 12, when we are not doing what's right. When we're not doing what's right, that's when we need to fear God. You see, and the thing is that we're all fallen. We're all sinners. And so we've got to have a fear of a holy God. We've got to have an underlying fear of a holy God, but we need to have a healthy fear, not a, I'm scared God's going to hit me. Oh, when you're, as soon as you walk around the corner, boom! Oh, God's going to get me. Oh, I know He is. That's not right. Godly fear worketh repentance, the Bible says. If we fear Him, you know, the demons fear Him. The devil fears Him. That's not a godly fear. Because the devil knows what's coming. That God's wrath is going to be poured out upon the devil and the demons. They know it. They, their time is short. And if you're walking around expecting God's wrath to be poured on you, out on you, because and it will be if you don't repent. Some of you that aren't saved in here tonight, God's wrath will be poured out upon you. And you need to be scared of God. But if you're saved by the power of the Holy Spirit tonight, by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, ye need not have fear. No. Fear God. Fear your sin. Fear your rebellion. But don't fear God. You don't have to fear God in that sense. Don't be scared of Him. Man, He loves you. He loves us. Doesn't He? You know why people, you know what happens with a, a negative type of fear? It causes bitterness. It causes hatred. When people are scared, they get mad for the wrong reason, you see. Why do, why do most people, why do, why do people fear the preaching? That's, that's what it is. They fear the preaching of God's word. There are verses in the Bible that people hate. They fear those verses. Malachi chapter 3 is one of them. Right? Well, talking about robbing God. That is a scary verse to the people that don't tithe. <laughs> Everybody else, praise God, it's true, it's right. <laughs> I'm tithing. I have no reason to fear. I'm doing what's right. There's a lot of verses like that in the Bible. If you're not doing what's right, you need to be scared. <laughs> Repent, and you won't have to have that type of unhealthy fear. We could talk about fear all night. We preach a whole sermon on that. Let's go on to the next one. Perfect hearts. The truth will produce 
Is that clock right? It's only six. It's only quarter after six of my watch. So what does that mean? <laughs> I always preach till eight thirty or eight fifteen. <laughs> I got a couple hours left, don't I, brother? <laughs> I'm kidding. The truth will produce perfect hearts. Look at verse nine. And he charged them, saying, Thus shall ye do in the fear of the Lord. There's the fear again. Faithfully and with a perfect heart. A perfect heart. It's our, you know it's our responsibility to seek perfection? A lot of people don't like that. See, they, see when, you have to, when you are seeking perfection, when you are not happy with who you are, you know, the world tells you, you know, they talk about self-esteem. Well, you need to be happy with who you are. Right? That, see, we have the opposite message. The Bible tells us we are not to be happy with who we are as in the flesh. Now, we're happy with who we are in Christ. You, you know what the problem is? And I, I've realized this over the past few years. And, and this is the, the, you know what the liberals think? They think just because they got saved that they are pleasing God. They think that just because they responded to the gospel, got saved, that God is pleased with them. God is pleased that they got saved, for it's not, God is not willing that any should perish. That is His will that all people go to heaven. Sorry if you're a Calvinist in here tonight, I just stomped on your toe. <laughs> God is not willing that any should perish. Not one. The thing is, we're not all pleasing to God. As children, you are not all pleasing to God. If you don't believe that, check out 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Read it. Some of you are dying in the wilderness. You know, it should have only taken them 20 days to go through that wilderness according to something I read recently. 20 days. And they spent 40 years in the wilderness. Why? Because their hearts weren't right with God. And it was by the mercy of God that God used the the older generation and destroyed them in front of the younger generation to say, listen, you better do right. Or this is going to happen to you. And it was God's grace and God's mercy that did that. The flood, we always look at the negative side. The flood was God's grace and God's mercy. Saved eight. Got to look at the good side. Got to look at God's grace. God could send every one of us to hell and he'd be just and righteous in doing it. Every one of us. Why? Because we're not perfect. God wants perfection. So how are you going to be perfect? Jesus said, be ye perfect. That's a command. How are you going to do that? We're not going to, get it. We're not going to make it in this life. We're not going to make it with this, this flesh hanging off of us. We're going to have to die. We're going to have to die. We're going to have to kill this flesh. Put it on the altar. And you'll have a perfect heart. Be broken. I got two more. I just want to share them with you real quick. Verse 10. <clears throat> the truth produces preachers. Preachers. And what cause soever shall come to you of your brethren that dwell in their cities between blood and blood, between law and commandment, statutes and judgments, ye shall even warn them that they trespass not against the Lord. And so wrath come upon you, you, and upon your brethren. This do ye, this do and ye shall not trespass. We need to warn people. If you don't warn people, you are just as guilty as they are in their trespass. Did you hear that? It's a huge responsibility to preach God's word. 
isn't it, brother? Yeah. We got to get up here focused on God, not focused on the people. Because in my flesh, I want to tickle their ears. I want to tell them what they want to hear. I want them to come back next Sunday. I want them to be nice to me. I preached a hard one this last Sunday, Sunday night. Last Wednesday, I guess I've been preaching pretty... You know what, you know what caused me to do that? Because I've been listening to all them tapes. <laughs> I just got fired up. Brother Thompson, different ones on the tape. Pastor Harvey fires me up. I'm out there working on the building. Oh, by the way, I'm the guy that works on the building, too. <laughs> I'm the maintenance crew. My wife's a big part of that, believe me. She helps out a lot. And Amanda, they're learning, how, they're learning the construction trade. <laughs> but the truth produces preachers. Isaiah's, Jeremiah's, Micaiah's. People that know that they have got to preach the word. <laughs> What are we going to do without the word? What are we going to do without the truth? We have nothing to say. The truth produces preachers. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How shall they hear without a preacher? Right? There are some of you young people in here tonight, and the truth, if you will stick to the truth, if you will hang on to the truth, you will be preachers. And some of you young ladies, if you hang on to the truth, if you stick by the truth, you will be preacher's wives, missionaries. But let me tell you something. If you leave the truth, you will be nothing for God. Your life will be miserable. You'll look back one day and you'll say, oh, I could have done something for God, but I messed up. Oh, I remember when I wanted to be a preacher or when I wanted to be a missionary. God called me to such and such or to do this or to do that, and I just didn't, didn't read His Word, and I didn't pray, and I didn't do all the things that I knew I needed to do to be right with God. And God took it away from me. How miserable. How horrible. The last thing... <clears throat> The truth produces power. Power. And behold, Amariah, the chief priest, is over you, and in all matters of the Lord, and Zedadiah, the son of Ishmael, the ruler of the house of Judah, for all the king's matters. Also the Levites shall be officers before you. Deal courageously, and the Lord shall be with you. You know, I could be, I could just fail under all the pressures of being a pastor. It's a lot of pressure to be a pastor. Let me tell you, it's the most pressure I've ever been under. You say, well, you only got 40 people? Oh, my word. <laughs> oh, 40 needy people. <laughs> I was a manager for Lowe's. I worked 80 hours a week sometimes. 80 hours a week. And I never had the pressure that I'm under now. Never. My wife. You go talk to her later. She needs, she needs some encouragement at times. She's under a lot of pressure, my friends. And the, the, the thing that the flesh, the thing that the devil tells me to do is if you just lighten up a little bit, there wouldn't be so much pressure. I said I preached a hard one this last Sunday. And the phone started ringing and ringing and ringing. And I just answered the phone and said, damage control, damage control, hello. <laughs> Jacob called. I said, damage control. <laughs> I had to go out after I preached. I knew who I, I knew who I hit, boy. You could see it all over their face. Oh, woo! That's the hard thing, Pastor. He knows who he's preaching to. God, I, I, I'm not charismatic, but God gives you as a preacher. God will give you the ability to understand your people, to know your people. If you pray for your people, I pray for my people every day. 
And God gives me the ability to understand what their sin is, and I have got the responsibility to be courageous and stand in the pulpit and preach against their sin. Whether they like it or not. And they don't like it most of the time. Now I've got responsibility to encourage them too. I'm good at I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm pretty good at that. I'm not bragging. I'm, I mean, that's easy to me to encourage people. But it's hard for me. I have, uh, God's been working on me, dealing with me. I see sin in the church, and, and I realize the reason why these people are failing is because I'm not preaching hard enough. Not because I'm not being nice. The Bible says, lift up thy voice like a trumpet and tell the people that you love them. Huh? You see that in your Bible? (laughs) No, it says, tell them about their transgressions. Tell them about their sin. If you love them, you will tell them about their sin. You parents, if you love your kids, you tell them about their sin, their wickedness. And you spank them. You whip them. You'll love them too. And you'll encourage them. It's, got a, it's a balance. Listen. Some of you are just having a hard time. And the reason why you're having a hard time is because you won't allow the truth of God's word to have his way, his will be done. Not my will, thy will. Jesus showed us how to do it. Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, sweating blood, sweating drops of blood. And in all of that, he showed us not my will. I said it the other night. It's not that he didn't want to go to the cross. That was, that was no big deal. It's not that he, he didn't want to die for our sins. He wanted to die for our sins. He did not want our sick, dirty, wicked, filthy sins in him. He is a perfect, holy God, and he had to take our sins upon him. He did not want to do that. He said, Father, please, please let this cup pass from me. Please, God. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And so for us, Jesus went to the cross, died for our sins. He knows all about your sin, my friend. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Providing a son of soul and spirit, the joints of the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Remember, it says back in Genesis, you know why God destroyed the world back in Genesis? Because their thoughts and the intents of their heart were to do wickedly, wickedly, wickedly. Always, all the time. God knows if you're in, in listen, he, since he knows, I don't know what the thoughts of intensity of your heart. I cannot look in your heart. Pastor Harvey cannot look in your heart tonight. Just because some guy jumps off of a Harley Davidson and is wearing a leather jacket and comes in here with a ponytail down to his feet. Doesn't mean that he's not saved. He might have got saved 20 years ago. And he never heard the truth about God's word. He never heard 1 Corinthians chapter 11 where it says that it's a shame for a man to have long hair. And he's still got all that gunk on him and in him. But God knows his heart. But he might be more righteous in the eyes of God, more pleasing in the eyes of God than the man who comes to church every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, who's sitting here with a suit on and he's a child molester. And we don't know it. He's a homosexual. And we don't know it. But God knows it. 
God knows everything about you. And you know what? Y'all have sin. Y'all have sin. I can't tell you what it is tonight, but I know you have sin. Because the Bible says, for all have sinned. What is your sin? What is it that's keeping you from doing right? What is it? What are you... What is it in your life that's blocking what God is trying to produce with the truth of His Word? What is it? The Holy Spirit just told you, didn't He? If you asked Him, some of you say, I don't want to. I'm not going to ask Him, then I have to repent. You stiff neck. <laughs> that's what Stephen said. Ye stiff necked people, you do always resist the Lord. I don't know if he was smiling when he said that. <laughs> but they got so mad at him, they chewed on him with their teeth. Chewed on him with their teeth. Don't chew on me, please. <laughs> Am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? I'm not the one that you're mad at. It's God. It's God's word. And in he, since he knows the thoughts and intents of your heart, he is the one that you have to deal with. I'm not going to be standing there in the judgment day pronouncing judgment on you. I'm giving you what it says right now, tonight. You'll have to stand before God one day, and you will have to give an account for everything that you do in this body and this flesh. <clears throat> I'm going to close with this illustration. <clears throat> we had this... VBS this last week. Praise God. We had we had 28 kids on Friday. We had 27 kids. We had several workers. I think we had 40 some in attendance at the VBS all week long. It was a, it was wonderful. It was uh, it was hard. <laughs> it was stressful because I drove the van all over Spokane. I mean, I drove, drove the van everywhere, picking up kids, sometimes leaving at 8 o'clock in the morning, still having to do the other stuff, still having to prepare your sermons, still having to, uh, I had to go make a hospital visit one morning at 7 o'clock, <clears throat> downtown, about 30 miles, then had to drive and pick up all the kids, taking to VBS, and, uh, you know, I was the, the game leader, <laughs> and uh, sometimes I preached, sometimes my wife did the, did the lesson for the kids. But on Friday, I preached to them. Fifteen of them got saved on Monday. Or not, not Monday. I think ten of them came forward on Monday to get saved. Led them through the prayer. I don't know if they got saved. I really don't know. Only God knows. I hope they did. Some of them came back. Tuesday came forward. Some of the same ones came forward on Wednesday. Some of the same ones came forward on Thursday. Some of the same ones came forward on Friday. They were seeking God. They wanted to know, am I saved? I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. Some of you kids, you just keep coming forward. You just keep coming forward. You just keep coming forward. If you're not sure, you just keep coming forward. You know, the thing about kids is, they just keep doing it. They want to know. You know, the sad thing about adults is we're just too smart. We're just too full of pride. That's what the problem is. We're just too full of pride. We learn all of our life to, you know, be your own person. And then when we get saved, then we got to go the other direction. And let me say this. I gave this illustration. <clears throat> Anybody ever played dodgeball? Right? I was the game leader, right? So I had this dodgeball thing all set up. And you got, you got the one side over here. And, and the, the, these guys over here, they can't cross the line, see? Because th th that wouldn't be right. And so, so they, uh, they, they're throwing the balls at these other guys. So then they, they get the balls and they run back over here. And they can't cross this line. It's a safe area. They can't go in there. Oh, they can, they can still throw the ball. They can still hit you. They can still hurt you, but they can't go in there and they can't drag you or, or get you out of there. And I said to the kids, that is a perfect illustration of Christianity. Because 
You've got the devil's team. You've got God's team. And when you're in that area, that safety area that God has for us, the place of rest, Hebrews chapter 4, the promised land, if, if you will, when you're in that place, God will protect us. Oh, sometimes we still get hit, <laughs> you know. But as soon as you go out of that place, you're in trouble. You're still on the God's team, Christian. You're still saved. But when you leave that place of safety and you get out, watch out. The devil's going to get you. The devil's going to get you. We're no match for the devil. He's a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. He'll devour you. He'll destroy some of you. He won't get your heart. He won't get your soul, but he'll get your body. And so the kids, you know, they're like, oh, man, I don't. I say, you want to be on the devil's side? That's how you're born. You're on the devil's side. You want to be on his team? That place that he calls safety is going to be a lake of fire one day. You're on his side and you think you're safe. You're going to be burning in hell forever and ever and ever and ever. And the kids are like, there's some 13, you know, 14-year-old kids there. And they're, they're, all, they're all looking at me kind of funny, like, ooh, yeah. But then I said, who's on the Lord's side? So I, you know, I had that base area, had a line there. And I was standing in the safety area, and I was preaching away at him, you know. And uh, I said, who's on the Lord's side? They're all out there. And I said, you all are in danger right now. You're in the area where the devil can get you. Who wants to be on the Lord's side? I'm on the Lord's side. I'm on the Lord's side. Come over to the Lord's side. Do you know that every single one of those kids, 28 of those kids, they ran there. They were scared. They said, we want to be on the Lord's side. And they ran into that safety area. Would be to God that the adults, Christian adults, would realize what they're doing when they don't receive the Word of God, when they don't receive the truth of the Word of God. They're out there. And you give the invitation. You tell them. And one, two, trickle forward. <laughs> ah, I don't want you to come forward tonight for me. Don't you dare do that. I don't even want you to come forward for your preacher, Pastor Harvey, as much as I love him. I don't want you. To, it's not him you're going to deal with tonight. And tomorrow when you go to work, Pastor Harvey's not going to be riding with you. Pastor Harvey's not going to be there to protect you and to preach to the people that are hurting you and to tell people, listen, leave my friend alone. But God will. Pastor Harvey's not going to be there when you get tempted to drink, when you get tempted to commit adultery, when you get tempted to do whatever God allows you to be tempted with and whatever the devil tempts you with. But God will be there. God will be there. 